You may have heard of us, but you might not know Bank First is a community bank that has no fee ATM access, interest and perks earning checking accounts. With online and mobile banking, mortgages for every stage of life, and modern business banking for businesses, small and big. We keep it all together to put you first. Do you bank with us? You should. Bank First is an equal housing lender and a member of FDIC. Well, welcome to Sunday Coffee. I'm Bart Gregory along with Charlie Winfield. We're in the Farm Bureau studios here in downtown Startwell. Charlie, happy Father's Day. Yeah, I guess it is Father's Day, is it but not? I, yeah, we get up early in the morning. We come and we uh, we record a show. We get out of the house. Get a little peace and quiet for a little bit before we head back. Hey, we were going to do this yesterday, but um, and do it on Saturday just because today is Father's Day, a little bit uh, busier day today. And, and so, Charlie, I'm making my way through uh, through uh, Louisville yesterday, coming up here, going to record the show, and all of a sudden the light comes on and I'm losing air pressure in my front right tire. And it goes from like 38 down to 21 in an absolute hurry. And so I'm sitting there trying to figure out, okay, can I make it to Western Auto? Uh, if you're not familiar with Louisville, you remember the old Western Auto in Louisville? I don't Auto? know that I do. Okay, it's on West Main. And if I can make it there, they have a tire shop, and it's kind of like a it's kind of like a Lowe's before it was Lowe's. You know, they've got a lot of appliances, and they've got like different things, lawn mowers that they sell. And anyway, uh, Wayne Moody and his family they they own it, and I've known them forever, and just great small business. And I was like, if I can make it to Western Auto, and I did, pulled up, and uh, tire went flat, and they were able to get me fixed and ready to go, and so. Uh, the guy, uh, they just apologized because they were so busy, and he was like, man, I'm, I'm sorry, it's going to take just a few minutes. And I was like, let me tell you something. Whatever you do in the next two hours is a lot easier than me being up under my car trying to get a jack fitted underneath on the side of the road in Louisville on Main Street, right? And it's like 112 degrees. I know how to change a flat, but thank goodness they got me going yesterday. Changing a flat I was trying to remember, I was up here obviously doing some other things and you sent me that message and I got to thinking the last time that I changed my own flat, I was probably in my 20s. But it seems to me, and when I did though, I couldn't get anywhere. Like I had to go to the spare. It wasn't a, hey, let me jack this thing up and take a look. I had to go to the spare and it wasn't going anywhere. It was, <laughs> I mean, it was gone. And so I got to thinking... Like, if one of my kids, I will say this, I know that my daughter can. Change flat? Yeah, she can do it. Your but daughter? That, you're, you're, not, you're, not, you're not worried about your son? Or you are worried about your son? Well, I'm worried about both of them. But I know just kind of her attitude, she'd figure it out. She's got a lot of figure it out in her. Yeah. And she's done it before, part of driver's ed, that kind of thing. But I don't know that kids, you know, jumping off a car. How many kids know how to jump off a car now? I tell you what, I think there should be a life skills class that you have to pass before you go to college or you go into the workforce at 18. I mean, just, just minor things, okay? How to, you know, I, I always tell my kids to make sure they have jumper cables in the back of the car. There's no telling how many times I have used jumper cables. Now, there is a, a different factor now. Is now you got the thing you can jump cars off that you can put in your trunk. Yeah, you know, I got one of those for Christmas. Yeah. Mine's like NOCO. Yeah. In OCO, it's in a little bag. You can also charge your cell phone. 
you can run your computer. But I got this thing for Christmas. I'm thinking, all right, that's cool. Uh, don't all ever use it. And just a couple of months ago, meeting on campus, somebody was, their battery was dead, but they were blocked in. Nobody could get anywhere near them with jumper cables. And it hit me. You know, I threw that thing in my trunk at Christmas. Didn't think I'd ever use it. Let's see what happens. And you plug two little things on, turn it on, and it Boom. jumped it off. Very good. I, I was thinking about that the other day. And not to get sidetracked, we'll talk about sports in a minute. But I was thinking about that the other day. My daughter is going to be a senior in high school. And, you know, it's one of those things of what do I need to teach her before she goes out on her own? And, of course, I, I taught my son and, and uh, I taught my son how to change the oil in a lawnmower and change the oil in a car. I, I think it's different now. My, I, my dad taught me how to change the oil, but I, I think now auto manufacturers try to make it as difficult as you possibly can because they're trying to drive people to their to their, their places to get it changed at the Ford dealership. You know what I'm saying? See, you just told me that you own a lawnmower, which I do not own a lawnmower, so we'll never have to learn that lesson at my house. Oh, so, I mean, when you were talking about the Trax Plus stuff and not running any equipment, you meant you don't run any equipment. No, I'll tell you the last time that I owned a lawnmower, the last time I owned a weed eater, it was 1998, Bart. It was a fall day. I'd gotten up early, had the lawn mowed perfectly. I had it edged perfectly except for one last spot. And I had a, a great you know, diesel-powered weed eater. I mean, this thing was good, and it wouldn't crank. And it wouldn't crank. And I rubbed a blister in the middle of my hand trying to crank that thing. And I took that thing by the back end, and I beat it into the pavement for about 20 minutes. That'll fix it. And then I took a hoe, and I beat it some more, and I threw it. And I walked in, and I used some very kind language to suggest that I was retiring. That whatever it cost me to pay somebody to do it was better than me doing that ever again. So you talk about failing your kids. I'm not sure mine know how to mow a lawn. How about that? Well, hey, that's a story for another day about what about keeping a scorebook. Shouldn't if we're going to be a sports podcast? Let's. What about sports? Think about that for a minute. So, like in the real world, we can say, "Hey, kids need to know how to balance a checkbook," which very few people do anymore. Kids ought to know how to do some basic changing a light socket. You know, maybe changing some putting in a ceiling fan. Okay. But how to how to budget? Yeah, simple things that I probably have neglected over the years. But what about what would your sports list be? Keeping well, a scorebook. Well, that and you know things of not to do. Okay, um, you know I don't want my son to uh, wave it. You know, wave at base runners when he throws them out at third. You don't want him acting like Tony Vitello, chest bumping umpires, or <laughs> let's go to there in a minute. Um, I, I no guess daddy hats or uh, don't meat yell coats at the, in your dugout. Don't yell at a, at a golf tournament, get in a hole. You know, <laughs> you the man. Yeah, <laughs> mashed potatoes or whatever it is. Yeah, hey, let's talk about that for a minute. And and I know we talked about that extensively last Hang week. Hang on, I got to ask. Has, have you ever? I know you're on the travel ball circuit now. Have you seen any teams that have? Oh uh, yes, home run the, celebrations. Has it made it down that far? No, because not many kids had home runs at eleven, and they don't know what to do. No, you know what they do at eleven? The umpires make them get back. They don't let them get on, around the plate. That's good. Yeah, that's 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 a good thing. Maybe umpires they, still have control at that level. Maybe they'll trickle up a little bit. You know, that's that's one of the things, Charlie. You know, you look back and, and <laughs> people have laughed about it all week long about how Tennessee did something that we didn't think any school could do, and that's get thirteen. Other teams will lead to agree on something about My the Irish baby. 
<laughs> hey, hey, they came through. Don't walk away from them just yet. You may need them here later this week. That's true. <laughs> you, we may be uniting the Mississippi State fan base once more. Well, and and we'll get to the College World Series, and of course, it started on uh, what did it start Saturday, Friday? It started on Friday, did it? Friday. Yeah, it started on Friday, and it's condensed a little bit this year, which makes it kind of interesting. And now I've got this point in my my head I want to make because I know I forget it. Looking at this year's tournament, the way they have it, Friday, and they brought it back a couple of days on that back end. You know, we had a pitcher who got extremely hot last year in Will Bednar, and you kind of wonder if that's the last time. Last year was the last time you'll ever see a starting pitcher start three games in the College World Series. Yeah, it'd be really tough, wouldn't it? Yeah. You know, because Bednar was what, coming back on three days. Yeah, I can. And I don't know. I, I like the condensed World Series from the the point of if you're a fan and you're going to Omaha, it's an investment. When you get out there, if you go early, it's why I didn't go to the final series last week. I just couldn't be gone that long. But when you go to Omaha, man, you're going to be there a while. So I get needing and feeling like you need to condense it. I get wanting some of those games to be on a weekend instead of a weekday. I get all those things. But I wonder what it's going to do to the load on pitchers. Yep. Hey, before we go to the World Series, two things. One is, I guess we need to figure out a show about essential life skills that we need to have. We need to figure out a show to do that. Two, I want to go back to Tony Vitello, and you kind of wonder if Tennessee they got humbled a little bit last weekend. (laughs) Well, you think think they? You think they did? They graduated. They're going to graduate a lot of players off this past year's team. So the question I ask you, Charlie, is. Do you think them losing the way they did will rein them back in, or do you think it'll make them go a little bit further? Well, that's the thing nobody's talking about. Everybody has this idea, well, Tennessee is going to be humble. They got the message, baseball gods, all these things, and we're not going to have – they're going to tone it down next year. That's one way to react to losing. The other way to react is we've never been this good before. We were a lot more obnoxious than we've ever been before. Maybe the answer isn't that we did too much. It's that we did too little. Time to double down on being jerks. Yeah, we're we're about to show everybody who we are. Now, here's the thing that, you know, we talked about this last week, and I asked a question about, you know, what can you do? We, we've seen the whole Ross Bjork and crying and whining about Nick Saban and, and Jimbo deal and, you know, this, that whole thing is just to be able to watch it from afar. And, you know, you, you start talking about sportsmanship and the SEC and they're wanting fines and stuff because of sportsmanship. And let me ask you, throwing bats at each other and yelling and screaming in the dugout at each other and acting like complete fools. And, hey, this is not just Tennessee. It's kind of morphed over. Even though I think last week, if you look in some of these series and the Super Regionals, you saw the losing coaches talk about how much class and how – when you well-respected the other teams were. You saw Scott Berry talking about Ole Miss. You saw, you know, Oregon State talking about Auburn. And these guys act the right way. We appreciate that. And you kind of wonder if it's going to dial other teams back because they've seen the backlash of Tennessee. And then you ask yourself the question, how is this fixed? I was thinking about this the other day. You know, we were sitting there talking about how can the league bring it back and how can the league, you know, do something. You know, in football, if you get to run in your mouth too much, you get a 15-yard penalty for unsportsmanlike conduct. In basketball, and if that happens a few times, a coach is going to say, hey, shut your mouth, play. And then in basketball, you get a technical foul. Hey, shut your mouth and play. You get two of them, you're gone. I mean, there, there's no deterrent in the game of baseball. 
So think about in baseball, penalties less than an ejection. Uh, the only thing I could think of is, and obviously you've got your in-play things like interference. I'm not talking about that. But for a conduct-related issue, a penalty less than ejection, the only thing I can even come up with some comparison is if you don't pitch fast enough, they award a ball. If you don't get in the box fast enough, they award a strike. But there's no there's no timeout. There's no penalty box like in hockey. You know, there's no five-minute major that yeah. sends you to the box. Well, that's, that's the question I've gotten a few times this week is how are they going to rein these, these guys in? in is other it fines? I don't know. Is it fining universities? You know, if, if we can get fined for ringing cowbells when we shouldn't, can we, we just say, hey, Tennessee, next time, it's not just three games for your pitching coach. It's not just four games or whatever it is for Tony Vitello. There, there's going to be some money. Well, at the end of the and day, do they the, care. Do the, that's what I was about to say. I mean, evidently, the president – let me tell you this. If we do that junk over here. Oh, my goodness. Mark Keenum is making the call. And then John Cohen is making the call. Where's the president and Danny White in this deal? Other than designing national championship T-shirts to let them go down to Disney World because they won the regular season SEC championship. Yeah, world's best regular season. <laughs> um, you know, that's that's an interesting question. I think and what bothers me, and I, I wasn't there, I don't know, but we just had the SEC meetings. And what I would love to know is if we, we can get on to Jimbo and we can get on to Nick and we can reprimand those guys, at what point do we just say, all right, baseball coaches, it's time we have a little powwow. And, and let me tell you how we're not going to be. Because if we're going to hide behind these slogans of it just means more, does it, does it mean more when you're bringing a mink coat and a hat out <laughs> to a guy just because he hits a home run. And keep in mind, you did that 100-something times this year. It wasn't – you know, we're not talking about an inside-the-park, you know. Oh, by the way, I, there was this great stat, the most rare feat. Is it rarest or most rare? I think you can go both ways. Okay. And not a way you can. All right. So, in any event, a pinch hit inside the park grand slam has only happened once in pro baseball. I think really? that went through. Pinch hit inside the park grand slam. Yeah. So, in any event, it, at what point does it become not unusual? You know, you say act like you've been there. They don't have to act. They have been there, usually about three times a game. <laughs> I, I don't get it. Yeah. I don't know. And, and maybe that's just, you know maybe that's just fodder for another day. Here's what I want to know. One is, is, did they get the coaches together and tell everybody else to get out and, hey, we're, we're about to have a powwow. And um, – I also wonder what's going on with the baseballs. I wonder have the baseballs changed because all the home runs, all the home runs. It just seems like, and I saw a coach last week. I can't remember, and I'm not going to look it up right now just for time. But made the statement of, "Hey, something's got to be different with the balls." Well, that's one of the popular theories out there. But let me. You're kind of more of the conspiracy theorist than I am. This depends on what it is. Okay. But I'm going to take the – there's a different explanation approach here. And I think there are several. Number one, the other thing that is up a lot is strikeouts. So what does that tell me? It tells me that you talk about trickle down. We have become a bunch of little Joey Gallows in college baseball or trying to, which is we're going to strike out or hit a home run and not do a lot in between. So that, number one, I think there's an approach issue. And you say, well, how does that happen so fast? 
Yeah, it's just a factor. I think there's many. I'll tell you another factor. We used to have from 2010 to or 2012 to 2019, there were 40 rounds in the Major League Draft. Now there's 20. Two years ago, there were just five. Just better players. Well, older. Yeah. I think, and I go back to, you say, what was Notre Dame's advantage against Tennessee? Eight of the nine guys in their starting lineup in game one were graduates. They're older. And so now I think the average age of college baseball, there are more juniors that are playing. There's more fourth and fifth-year guys playing. Take a Sonny DeShera. You know, how, how long has that guy been in college baseball? Uh, let me ask you this. Melendez. Let's, let's go down. I want to go down a rabbit hole real quick. And you mentioned the age of players. And you start looking in Omaha right now, the teams that are having success and the teams that have had success in the last month, okay? Notre Dame is an old team, okay? Ole Miss is an old team. And I start thinking, you know, a lot of these guys, and I remember talking to several of our pitchers and, and different players over the past several years that played under John, you know, in you know early you know, t- 2012, 13, 14 and there. And a lot of times your older guys, this is something we don't think about at times, a lot of your older guys are taking advanced classes in school, right? They may be in grad school. They may be taking that that fourth year of chemistry or or whatever, the Cal or whatever. I mean, they're in their their the hardest time, and they have the six a.m. workouts, and then they they're balancing the school, and then you know they have just the baseball season is a grind, and people ask all the time, why are teams so different at the end of the season than say? in the month of, of March. It may be the weather. Maybe they just play different. But here's something, too. If you look at Ole Miss, you look at Auburn, you look at a lot of these teams. Notre Dame, I mean, these, these are teams that didn't host. Well, Auburn hosted a regional. But older teams, and they fight through in the grind of the season, and then what happens in the mid-May? School's out. Graduation. And so all of this stuff that's cluttered their minds, and you're going to class, you're going to practice every single day, now you got to worry about one thing, and that's it. And it just seems like older teams, I think that was us last year, all of a sudden you get to the very end. You know, we went through a, a little phase there right before graduation against Missouri, and then, you know, we had the, the whatever the SEC tournament was. But then it's almost like you can just relax and play ball. Am I, am I really trying to overthink this a little bit? Yeah, a little bit. Okay. I mean, because then why are they hitting all the home runs earlier in the year? If the if the issue is juiced balls. No, I'm just talking about how you play. I'm not talking about home runs right here. I'm just talking about they're playing well right now. And one of the reasons sometimes you play well is because you, you look at Ole Miss, they went one and out in, in Hoover. Auburn went one and out in Hoover. And I guess the conversely, the other side of that is, well, Oklahoma won the Big 12 championship. And they're probably the hottest team in the country right now. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I just try to read into too much. I just remember guys. No, I think that I think that there absolutely is something about that. Um, I think it's one of the reasons why sometimes teams are different during spring break. You know, you take those spring break trips, and so no, I think there's something to that. I think the thing you mix into that this year though is some of these guys are graduates, barely taking much of anything. You know, they got a few online classes. Well, that's true. And so, hey, I do have one more stat that I wanted to run past you on the juice ball theory, Bart. Okay. Sacrifice bunts. This year. Nobody bunts anymore. There were 6,300 sacrifice bunts in college baseball this year. That is less than half the number from 2012. Looked at Ole Miss, they have five. Texas A&M has six. 
All year? All year long. And so then you say, why are there more home runs? Well, we're giving up fewer at-bats. That's a, that's a, that's an interesting stat. Now, here's why I'm a little bit of uh, – I have some appreciation. You're talking about Oklahoma being the hottest team. You know, Oklahoma's hit the fewest home runs of anybody out there. They've hit just 70. You say just 70. They have 32 sacrifice bunts. They've stolen 142 bases. If you're an old-school guy – That's like West Coast style I mean, right you there. You can get behind Oklahoma a little bit. So, Oklahoma came out and just throttled A&M. So, I guess we, we do want to look at the College World Series right now. But on Friday, Oklahoma won 13-5, jumped out early, led 8 to nothing after two innings. And, you know, Oklahoma um, had to go on the road for the regional. Where did they go? To, to Gainesville? Yeah, they went down to Gainesville, won there. And so, but Florida, yeah, eh, okay. But, uh, but Oklahoma's playing well right now. Then you look at Notre Dame. You're fighting Irish and what they did Friday night. Uh, beating Tennessee and Texas back-to-back, let me tell you something. Yeah, three out of four in that stretch. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, take, up the, I'll, I'll take up the blue and the gold. But, and I also, I'll go back to your point that you were making a minute ago, and I, I think you're actually on to something. So you say that's two years in a row that Notre Dame has kind of been on the edge of hosting. The, the one thing about Notre Dame, and I'm not asking you to agree with this, I'm just going to say it. There isn't such a thing as going to Notre Dame and doing a couple of online classes while you play baseball. I mean, you, you got to sprint through the tape up there. And so graduation is a really big deal to those guys. Are you academic shaming me right now? No. I'm just I, – I will say this, man, because I, I lived with some undergraduates one year. It The intensity of that education is is very significant. The amount of time that you have to spend out of the class – is very significant. And so I think graduation is something that helps those guys. But also go back to, do you remember last year we were talking, we we visited with Paul O'Toole and we visited with Steve Stanley, who had been the center fielder and the catcher on that Notre Dame team that came here in 2000. We put out on the Tom Martin walk-off home run. Two years later, they're in Omaha. And both of those guys pointed to things that they learned here as helping get them to the College World Series later. They were interviewing Paul Maneri during the game. Now, the problem, that's another thing of mine. You know, we're sitting there in the middle of trying to watch a baseball game, and it's 15 minutes of, so how's your golf game, Paul? You know, as if anybody cares. But he actually pointed to coming to Starnville. I don't know if you caught this. But he talked, they were talking about what it took to get to the College World Series he compared this team that Notre Dame currently has coming to Starkville last year, growing from it, gaining that experience, going toe-to-toe to Mississippi State, to the same thing that happened here in 2000 that helped propel that team. I thought that was pretty interesting that the, the coach of that team was taking the same perspective that his players did and fast forward 20 years and it's kind of happening all over again. You know, baseball is one of those sports where it seems like you know, if your heart rate goes goes up, if your heart beats faster, the the more you dig a hole. And it's one of those comfort things. Notre Dame is kind of – they've played in front of the big crowds. They understand what it's like. And, of course, getting to Omaha, you just got a bunch of people. It's nothing really – you know, you don't have that crazy crowd that's on you. I was told last year in Omaha that was as one-sided as it's ever been when we were there playing Vanderbilt. They, I mean, I thought it bothered Kumar Rocker. 
But, I mean, you start looking at all these SEC teams and you wonder, you know, in the environments that they go to, you talk about four SEC teams in the SEC West. They come here to Starkville. They go to Fayetteville. They go to all these different places. You know, Auburn going on the road to Oregon State last weekend, which they say is a tough place to play at Oregon State. I mean, it was not a as big of a deal for Auburn. And so I, I think that's one of the things you see about the SEC is these guys are used to playing in pressure and under pressure. Yeah, and I think that's been an advantage for Notre Dame, having been able to – come down here because look that's super regional last year it's crazy I and mean, that was quite an environment i will say this and, and i brought this up last year and i need you to write a, a letter i need you to write an email since you are a graduate it's gonna and, be the helmets isn't it yes they're too light they're too shiny and if you're gonna pull that off you can't let them get scuffed up you got to paint them you know what i'm saying i did though my wife and i have a disagreement on this point i really like the hats they were going with the other day Green hats, the blue clover. No problem with the hats. I'm talking about the gold helmets. The gold. Yeah, I'm hel- not a fan, but I'm not a fan for football either. I'm a fan of that old, old gold. gold. Yeah, that you know. I think back to the Tony Rice days, the Rocket Ismail. You know, if you need me Ricky to help Waters, you, if you need me to help you write that letter. The Lou Holtz gold was much better than the Bob Davy gold. <laughs> not the Bob Davy. Who's the clown that just left and went to LSU? Oh, Kelly. Brian Kelly. See, I'm associating him with Bob Davey. That ought, that ought to be insult enough for today. I associate Notre Dame football with Tyrone Willingham and Charlie Weiss. Hmm. Yeah, Charlie <laughs> Weiss. Charlie Weiss was a genius. That guy made a, ton of, genius. made a ton of money. At one point, I think, in his career, four different schools were paying him. That's beautiful. Think about that. That's what I aspire to be. All yeah. right. College World Series right now. You've got uh, Notre Dame – Big win over Texas the other day. Uh, I don't know what some of these national writers are going to do if Ivan Melendez does not play later this week. Arkansas yesterday, 17-2 to over Stanford. Ole Miss, 5-1 to over Auburn. And so now A&M and Texas are going to play in an elimination game at uh, 1 o'clock today. And then uh, Notre Dame and Oklahoma. That should be a pretty good one tonight at 6. All right, so I want to talk about Ole Miss a minute. And I've got an opinion that will not necessarily be popular. I don't disagree with Scott Barry when he said they play the right way. I was thinking about this. When you look at Ole Miss, you don't see those antics. I mean, if it's possible to to look a rival in the eye and say you appreciate something about them, I don't – you know, my only issue with Ole Miss the past couple of years in terms of conduct has been their TikTok account more than anything. You know, it's the guys running social media more than the guys on the field. You know, if I didn't have to see Peyton Chatagnier, you know, acting out in videos, I don't look at them on the field and think, hey, that's a bad group. I mean, I think Elko's a good guy. And if you want to draw parallels, I think – I'm going to ask you if you agree here. I think Arkansas is a team that is poised to win this thing. But if you look back and Ole Miss makes a run at this, you can start to say they've got some experience. It didn't play that well at times this year, but you know it's in there because it has been. And then you got a guy like Tim Elko who's just a good dude and kind of kind of anchors the thing. Well, I think that, you know, here's – when you get to this point, I think the four teams that won the other day and, and have won the first games, I look at those teams, I see Arkansas, I see Ole Miss. That's going to be a good matchup. I mean, this, I mean hey, the, the winner of that game on Monday has got a an inside track. You know, Notre Dame, and then you look at, at Oklahoma – 
I mean, all four of those teams have played so well in the last month. And I think any of those teams could win it. And I know from a Mississippi State fan standpoint, you know, I don't know if you really, you know, are, are enthused about that. But they have an experienced team. The way that tournament is, is they can, you know, bring back in, in a big game. Delucia has been as good a pitcher as there is in the country. And then Mallets, he can spin sliders up there all day. And, I mean, you got another day before you got to play again. I mean, anybody can win this thing. Let me ask you this. You mentioned a moment ago about the broadcast. Um, how do you like the change of the broadcast? I, I will say this. So, they're going with uh, Carl Ravitch, Eduardo Perez, and then Ben McDonald got moved to the A-team. I think Ben brings a lot of baseball. It's almost like he doesn't let it become – as much of a circus as it had been in the past. Am I wrong on saying that? I would say that Ben McDonald brings a lot of baseball knowledge to a booth that could use some baseball knowledge. Ben, to me, is the best in the business. Okay, and so on the other side, you've got Kyle Peterson, Chris Burke, and I like Kyle a lot. I like Chris Burke a lot. Chris is a great guy. Kyle's a good guy. Kyle's been on the show. Both those guys have been on the show. But the addition of Mike Monaco, let me tell you this. Past couple nights, and we and we kind of rib a little bit every now and then about broadcasters. I thought Monaco's been good. I like that team. Actually, yeah. I'll be honest with you. I think Chris Burke has made Kyle Peterson better. I agree with that. They play off each other in different ways. Yeah, because now what you've got with Kyle Peterson is a baseball guy in there and not some guy who, well, I'll just – some of the guys he's been paired with during the regular season have been more interested in where they ate the night before and things like that. And so I think Burt gives him somebody to, to really play the baseball with. Yeah. And so, anyway, Chris Budden on the sideline. I mean, And the I, beauty of it, too, you think, too, you've got a pitcher, you've got a hitter, you know, so you've got two different perspectives. They were arguing the other day about a, a split finger pitch and talking about how you see it and how you throw it. I thought that was some good dialogue. I think uh, the only problem I have with the College World Series broadcast, and it probably has to do more with the producers than anybody. One's there's too many interviews. Just show me the game. A couple things. One is I don't want to see a pitch from a oh. behind the batter and two from ump cam in live time. I want to see – use that as replays all day long. I got no problem with that. Um, but, but show – there's a reason Major League Baseball people don't do that is because it's just not fan-friendly at all. And so a lot of times that gets tagged on the broadcasters. Yeah, I know. know. And you get tagged on the person who's doing the interviews. That's a decision that's made somewhere else. They're just executing an assignment. And you know that. I know that. Benny Ashford knows that. But a lot of people don't. How many times have you seen their broadcast here? And I'll, I'll, give, I'll give Benny and those guys a lot of credit. Is They don't show you crazy angles in live action. From a standpoint of a pitcher. I mean, it's going to come from the center field camera. All right. So, hey, this past week, switching gears, this past week you and I were, uh, were on the road a good bit with the Road Dogs Tour. We uh, we had a lot of fun this past week. We went to Olive Branch and then went to Greenwood. That was on Tuesday. And on Wednesday we went down to the coast. And then Thursday in Jackson or Flowood at the uh, that new Sheridan Conference Center, which is really nice, by the way, over the, at the refuge. But – we had really good crowds. Um, Mike Leach, Chris Jans, uh, Sam Purcell, John Cohen joined us the last two days. But man, Charlie, I man, I enjoyed the heck out of that. We had really, really good crowds, enthusiastic crowds wherever we went. Mike Leach was Mike Leach. You know, it's the 
He is who he thought he was. Uh, <laughs> Mike Leach was Mike Leach and entertaining, of course. You know, it's interesting to me being around Purcell and Jans, getting to know those guys a little bit more. Jans is a – I can't figure out who to compare him to. I don't know any – you know, a lot of times you can say, oh, this coach came in, he's a little bit like that guy, he's a little bit like that guy. I don't know who Jans is like. I don't either. And – um I, I was I asked him a question the other night during uh, the Q and A, and I was just I was moderating everything, and I asked him a question the other night, and he looked at me like he would look at a point guard who had just taken a twenty six foot three, <laughs> and I was like, "What is?" And so th- then we, you know, we uh, he he laughs at me. We walk off the stage. Hey man, that was great, and, and then but he, you could tell that guy is extremely, extremely dialed in. And intense. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. But I really like But him. I like him a lot. And that's the thing that's interesting. A lot of times you're around coaches who are intense. And then you just don't want to be around them. they're jerks. Yeah, don't want to be, be anywhere near them. Huh. Um, not we, that anybody comes to mind. Um, <laughs> that's right. So, but, like, he's great to hang out with. Yeah, we had a good conversation the other night about, about Iowa, about about baseball. About you know watching baseball, growing up around baseball, about you know then basketball in the Midwest, and man, it was just it was good conversations. And I, I usually don't I don't want to get too deep in the woods about conversations we have behind the scenes because that's one of the reasons you're having those conversations is because you're behind the scenes, and so I don't want to share a whole lot. But man, just being around around those guys, and then hey, let me tell you this, you know as 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 funny as he is, and I know he gets a lot of you know a lot of fair because of how quirky he is. But Mike Leach is a great conversationalist. What do you want to talk about? Because he can he can go there with you. I am convinced that if we had brought up Russian ballet, he'd have broken it down for us. Did you hear the conversation that that, that we were having about the difference in going to Ireland, London, or then going to northern Scotland? Did you hear that conversation? No, I missed that one. It was absolutely fantastic. It was, I mean, it was, it was like an hour and a half conversation. It was great. You know, they were telling me the story about Leach. He, uh, somebody taught, somebody brought up softball, and all of a sudden, just like, like he had the list in front of him, starts rattling off the winning, the winningest coaches in college softball history. You know, and then all of a sudden knows things about him. Well, oh, so and so was it. Arizona from blank to blank. It's 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 bizarre. Well, if you ever have a movie you want to watch, don't ask him about that movie because <laughs> I made the stupid mistake of asking him if he'd watched Maverick, Top Gun Maverick, and I felt like I had watched the movie by the yeah, time, by he, time you're done. And so I went to watch it yesterday, and I felt like I'd watched the whole movie already by talking to Coach Leach. So hey, I'll tell you, though, I thought there were some cool venues that we had, too. You mentioned the Sheridan. The place we were in Gulfport. Yeah, that's a that's, nice place. Yeah, it really is. Um, what was that called? Sully's. Sully's, yeah. It's a new on the new, new They've down got the a great venue there. Um, you know, John Cohen was along with us, too. And, um, you know, I thought, you know, I joked that uh, having John there, you know, kept kept Mike, you know, 
<laughs> the principal was in the room. Yeah, you know, kept him the. Uh, you know, if you think of bowling, you know, John's kind of the the gut, the gutter rails. The rails you kept know, it. He kept the ball from going in because Mike did go off the off the rails a little bit on Tuesday night over in Greenwood. Oh my goodness! And we, we, they asked a question. About, well, I asked him a question about if you'd have been, would you have been a um, prosecuting attorney or defense attorney? And he starts. He goes into great detail about Lon Morris cutting off somebody's leg, and he's got the. Got the leg on the defense table, and oh my goodness, yeah, <laughs> that was beautiful. Hey, uh, I want to touch on Mississippi State baseball one more minute before we go. If I gave you four picks right now, I don't, we're not going to talk about players that pitchers any individual pit places. You know, like if you were ranking our needs, pitcher, I've kind of got starting pitching, relief pitching, closer, middle relief, long relief. All the above, is it? The guy who falls into the category that the guy sitting in 208 or 209 is just going to be able to say, throw strikes. Yes. So, I was reading something on the message boards the other day, and they were arguing about whether you would bring somebody back, whether somebody who's on this team ought to come back, and they were talking about whether they were worth a roster spot. One of the things people are missing we still have some guys that aren't going to count against your roster. So yeah. we still got some of the COVID effect. But here's the my take. There's nobody who hasn't already said they are transferring that I don't want to come back. Now, are we going to see Logan Tanner back here? No, of course not. No. But, you know, if Kellen Clark wants to come back, come on. Cameron James, Luke Hancock, Preston Johnson. Absolutely. Yeah, I want you back. Yeah. All of you. Lane Forsyth, yeah. I want Lane. If Jackson Fristo, I mean, those are guys like that that have the tools. We always fall in love with other people's toys. You know, you always think, well, that kid's got a better go-kart than I have or whatever. But now and then, you're only, you know, you start to look. It, man, somebody new isn't always the answer. No. And let me ask you this. Let's take Jaeger and let's take DeBrule. And Jaeger has basically an All-American year. I mean, the guy was great. But where was he the first month? And you start thinking about. Out of the lineup. Yeah. And so now you start thinking about, boy, you need to get off to a good start next year. Yeah. It would be helpful to have a few guys back. Yeah. Well. Um, but I think for me, pitching is where you've got to you got to load up. But before we get to that point, I suppose, we're going to have football season coming up. I thought it was interesting. One of the questions that you asked Mike Leach a couple of times was about Will Rogers, and Mike talked a lot about Will and then kind of worked in there, but we got a great battle going on at quarterback, and that's not decided. <laughs> I, I feel like – and there were some people who heard that and thought, oh, boy, Sawyer Robertson's really – he's pushing him. I, I honestly believe that if Mike Leach was coaching Joe Montana and Bart Gregory, he would say that there was a battle going on. Oh, Bart, man. That guy's got quick feet. I mean <laughs> – processes things so quickly <laughs> takes command of the huddle you know you the, i tell you it's very dangerous hanging on the edge of what coaches say I also thought one of his rants that he went on that i thought was really good though you were talking about again quarterback play and developing and he was saying well people get mad well why'd you get sacked well he only had two seconds but then you say well why'd you get sacked you had six seconds and so maybe that's on you. And then he goes back to, so then you break it down with the offensive line, 
They said, well, only one guy got through in six seconds. Why was it your guy that got through? Why did everybody <laughs> else hold their guys for six seconds? You couldn't. And then the receivers, why couldn't you get separation? And then if all that works, why couldn't you hit them with it? It was, it was pretty interesting, though, how it, it's really clear that he has a very good grasp of how all those things have to work together and the timing that it takes. And you kind of made the point, Mike Leach has been really good when he has quarterbacks in their 19th year. Yes. And he has had a bunch who've been around. I'm Boy, the schedule's brutal. You got Georgia, you got Alabama. That's two, kind of two strikes. You got to go down to LSU at night, all those things. But I do feel like we're going to have a pretty good defense. I do too. I really believe in Zach Arnett. Tyrus Wheat, I think it's going to be big. You know, I've had people ask me over the last week a lot saying, you know, Coach Leach, he comes across as a guy that, you know, knows a lot about a lot. And, you know, conversationalist, whatever. And they were like, you know, what kind of coach is he? From a standpoint of is he a manager? Does he let the quarterback coach handle the quarterbacks and the offense? You know, how is he on the practice field? But when you walk out on the practice field and you see this guy working with quarterbacks, he is a completely different – he is as locked in on every single detail. And it's almost like, you know, he he transforms into, you know – into like a locked-in, you know, just mastermind. It's the craziest thing you've ever seen about, um, you know, I always talked about Joe Gant. We've talked about Joe Gant. Oh, yeah, a legend. Legendary coach in Mississippi about talking to that guy, you know, outside of a football field is one of the nicest human beings on the face of the earth. And he is as great and nice of a guy, but when the stadium lights come on, that guy gets locked in. And it's the same way when you go out to a football practice. It's almost like all the craziness of the world, but then in that moment, the switch flips. i tell you the other thing that's really interesting to me when you go out to practice, they listen to him. Oh, yeah. When Mike Leach is talking, nobody's talking in the back, nobody's kind of looking around. They're locked in. Now, I'm convinced that half the reason is they're wondering – what on earth he's about to say, you know, what what might come out. But within that locker room, he he completely commands respect. And the, the last thing I'll say about Mike Leach, I know this isn't a football show today, but the last thing I'll say about Mike Leach that, that I really appreciate is he could have criticized a lot of guys over the, over the past couple of years. There have been a lot of departures, and it's gone in the paper as, so-and-so is transferring. Mike Leach could have come out with a backstory on every one of those, and he didn't care. Not once has he gone out and said, we're getting rid of this guy because he's a bad guy. No, uh, it, a b- bad guy. He got on a kicker a time or two, you know. No, but what I'm saying is, but he hasn't but, come out and said, no. this guy's leaving. There have been a lot of discipline issues, so to speak, that he doesn't. He just doesn't talk about. No, he, he doesn't. He doesn't. Hey, enjoyed it today. And, um, you know, we started out with life skills we got to put together that. I think one of the things is basic etiquette, just about being a decent human being. The courtesy wave. Kicking you know, an extra point. Yeah. Is that going to be on our list? That's going to be on life skill. If you're driving a tractor in the country and there's like four cars behind you, you pull off pull to the over. side. You know, let, let well, the country. Country, heck, South Montgomery. 
well, here I, in Starville. <laughs> Why we got to go all the way out in the country to have that rule? And, and two, the guy on the tractor is going to throw up the hand. You know, you get the courtesy wave. Well, I mean, I think the country needs the courtesy wave. We've we've lost the art of the courtesy wave. Hey, I want to tell you, nothing reveals character like trying to exit a parking lot after a Mississippi State game. <laughs> you, you find out who the good guys are. You know, you, you have you. There's kind of this societal norm. This line sends one. This line sends like one. The, this line sends one. Like the one. zipper, you and know. Yeah, you. Everybody kind of you got it working, and then there's that one guy who wants to get in on the bumper and try to push through, and it just it messes up everything. And also in that situation as well is when the person allows you to to pull in. You got to wave. You always have to wave. Two things that make me bad. One is there's a guy that gets on the bumper. Dadgum, you know me and me and Ethel are getting out of here in a hurry, and. I don't worry about you, and he's not waving, ain't looking at nothing. And then the guy who falls in the line and doesn't give you the courtesy. Oh, uh, right, so but I tell you another place the traffic really comes to me is when you were approaching a work zone, and all the signs say merge left. Oh, don't you know, f- right lane. But don't going. be the one guy that yeah. flies past everybody. I always enjoy watching. Have you ever noticed how truckers they'll ride side by side? Oh, yeah. Every now and then they'll get tired of the guys going around. Yeah. And they'll they'll get off in the side and just block. Block people from coming around to fill that lane. But if you gotta get right, don't be the guy that flies past the twenty cars. Just go ahead and get right. And don't drive in the left lane at the speed limit. Mm. Okay. Yeah, that's another issue. All right. Hey, uh, I had my tall boy Strange Brew this morning. Went down to Strange Brew. I'm in Startwell this morning. Went to Strange Brew and got uh, my tall boy of Blueberry Cobbler. They were breaking out the uh, the blueberry scones. As soon as I walked in, they took them out of the oven. Got one of those. It was great. Appreciate Shane and the gang. Of course, three locations, two here in Startwell, and then uh, one in Tupelo as well. Uh, we saw Jonathan Mills the other night over in uh, Greenwood, a good friend from Heartland Catfish. Yeah, it was good to catch up with him. Caught up with Jonathan, talking about all the, the catfish restaurants in the south. And, of course, we're giving him a hard time. He had his son with him on uh, on Wednesday night, or was that Tuesday night? That was Tuesday night. My week has run together. And we'll so, be talking about Henry Cooper at my house today. Yeah, got a little, got a little country pleasing going on in my grill later today as well. You know, it's funny. Every single time that we light the grill, some country pleasing goes on. It's become, you know, I, I first started buying it, tried it, liked it, and then we get to talk about it, and everybody says, it's like Paul Harvey, man. I'm not talking about something I don't use. No. You know? And literally every single time we light that grill, it's just a debate about which one. You know, what are you putting on? I think I'm going to uh, to rent an excavator next weekend, do some clearing. Now, I'll have to say, why don't you come it, it, down? Come down and join us. Now that's the thing. I, I guess I've got to ask Chris Weems and, and and all those guys at Tracks Plus. When I rent this thing next weekend, do I get insurance? Is it like a rental car? It's and the so, optional and so loss I, damage waiver. And so if I can get the optional insurance, I'll invite you down there. We can dig a hole. I'll teach you how to how to use an excavator. I wonder if they would even let me rent something for a weekend. That is a good question. I mean, I have a couple of uses. And I would be interested in trying it. Now, I think the thing that would probably concern me is I should probably check to see where, like, utility wires. We call 811. You can do that, like, two or three days before you dig. That's what the ad says. I've got a feeling my C Spire fiber may be. Yeah, if, let me tell you something. If you trouble. cut a fiber, everybody down South Montgomery will hate Charlie Winfield. Well, we may maybe <laughs> half the way there already. Yeah. All right. Hey, enjoyed it as always. Uh, once again, thanks to our good friends at Bank First. Go to bankfirstfs. 
dot com for all your banking needs as well. And hey, I got the Mosquito Joe guys out there last week. They were putting in a misting, misting system. We're going to put in a misting system at the place. And Spank- I stared at those. I woke up. I'm one of these guys that wakes up from like two in the morning. Yeah. I'm awake for a couple of hours. And I got to staring at the Mosquito Joe webpage and just looking at different things. And now I'm, every time I go outside, it's just miserable at night. You know, Spanky told me, he was like, let me tell you, I hear you talk all the time about, you know, moving back to, to, the, to the country, moving back to Nanawoya. He says, I just realized real quick just about how far in the sticks that you live. And he said, this is like the, this is like the ultimate test pilot for us. He said, because if we can get rid of your mosquitoes, <laughs> you can do anything. We, can, we can do anything. So anyway, hey, appreciate you guys listening to us on the Sunday Coffee. Once again, happy Father's Day to all you dads out there. And so um, we'll be back. We'll talk about the, the College World Series in the coming week. And so for Charlie Winfield, I'm Bart Gregory. Appreciate you guys hanging out with us here on the Sunday morning for Sunday Coffee.